Welcome to the one-on-one with one and only sports podcast. I'm your host, Theo Wan. Welcome to season two of the podcast, where we are going to be looking at the stories and lives of the players, coaches, and personalities that make up the world of Ultimate. Each week, I will talk to a new guest, and we will talk about their journey into Ultimate, what their life in Ultimate looks like, their most memorable games, and a fun rapid-fire segment to end the episode. If you like the podcast, we would love for you to subscribe and get the word out about the podcast to others. Your support is truly appreciated. New episodes come out every Tuesday. This episode is brought to you by the Pocket AT. Ever want to have your health-related questions answered whenever you have them? Look no further than the Pocket AT. It is like having an athletic therapist with you 24-7. It's a free informational hub that provides you everything you need to know about your health, including rehabilitative exercises, advanced sports-specific exercises, proper ways to stretch and foam roll, mobility exercises, nutrition, and a bi-weekly blog that discusses the most commonly asked questions to practitioners. Check out their content on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter at The Pocket AT, and on their website at pocketat.com. Now with all that done, let's go. This week's guest is Britt DeSantos. Britt is a handler for the women's elite level club team, Toronto Sixers. With the Sixers, she finished 5th at the World Ultimate Club Championships and 6th at the USA Ultimate National Championships in 2018, winning Ulti World's Breakout Player of the Year that year. In 2019, she helped her team win a Canadian National Championship, winning MVP along the way. That same year, Sixers finished 2nd at the USA Ultimate National Championships. She has represented Canada twice, winning a bronze medal in Waterloo in 2018 with the U-20 team and a bronze in Germany in 2019 with the U-24 team. She was slated to be on the Team Canada women's team that was to compete at the 2020 World Ultimate and Guts Championships. Her university career includes a CUUC gold with the University of Toronto in 2019. Prior to her adult club career, she played for the elite juniors team Toro out of Toronto, finishing second in 2017 and winning Ultimate Canada's Junior Female Athlete of the Year Award. She attended Marshall McLuhan Catholic Secondary School and currently attends the University of Toronto, majoring in human geography. Here is my interview with Britt DeSantos. So I'm here with Britt DeSantos. Britt, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm super excited to be here. How are you, Theo? I'm doing great hearing from an up-and-comer here in the Toronto Ultimate scene. So Britt... We're going to go all the way back. How did you get started in Ultimate? You've had a lot of accomplishments along the way, but how did you get started in the sport? What led you to it? So my sister and I, I don't know if you, well, obviously you know her, Crystal Dos Santos. She and I have always been super athletic, involved in sports ever since we were young. My parents as well, like all of my family loves athletics and everything to do with it. And so in elementary school, she and I would constantly be playing every single sport. Every time we heard there was a tryout, we're like, we're going, doesn't matter what it is, we're going to be there. We're four years apart. So when she was in grade 12, I was in grade eight. And that was when she was introduced to Ultimate. It was her first time. They just made an announcement in school saying we... They were basically desperate for girls to come play Ultimate because at the time they didn't have... That's classic. It was, yeah, it was so new. So nobody really knew what it was. And they were so desperate. And my sister being Crystal, she was like, oh my God, there's a new sport. I can get out of the class. Okay, let's go. So she ended up going. And she had so much fun, thought it was amazing. 
and came home that day and was like, Brittany, I just tried this new sport. You have to try it. It's so much fun. I'm going to teach you how to flick. And I was like, what's a flick? Okay. (laughs) So she ended up like bringing home a frisbee, taught me to flick before I even knew how to backhand. And she's sort of how I was exposed to ultimate. When I was in grade eight, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas and they ended up having a frisbee team that year. But I I don't know if I consider it like real frisbee because it was one of those things where it's elementary school. They just hucked it as far as you could. And, you know, when you caught it outside of the end zone, you didn't know what to do. So it was sort of like that. But I got to play a little bit. And then going into high school was when I started playing and met Gareth Colley. And he was sort of like a huge person in my life for who got me to really play frisbee. I played grade nine and that was super fun. And then in grade 10 was when I started to play club. And the only reason I played was because he actually, I think he paid for my tryout. He just really wanted me to go because he was like, Brittany, like you have to play club. You have to. You have to go. There's a junior team like called Toro. They won last year. You need to join that team. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. Like, I've never played a club of any sport. I've only ever played just in school and for fun. But I've always wanted to. Like, I, my goal ever since I was, like, really young was, like, I want to be in the Olympics. <laughs> but it could happen one day if uh, Hopefully. It fingers passed, crossed. So. Fingers crossed. But he ended up coming with me as well to the tryout and kind of like threw with me before the tryout started and really encouraged me. So I ended up making the team just because there was only one team because we didn't have enough girls for two. So I ended up making the A team. And that was interesting, though, because I wasn't so I was a slacker back in the day. I never went to practice just because there was, it was so far at the time. It was all the way at Por- Parkway Forest. And so it was just a long bus ride. So I would skip practice a lot of the times. Like the girls would be surprised when I'd show up. <laughs> but I just... And not I not the example know. we want to set on the podcast here. But, uh, but part of your journey, though, it's good. <laughs> it gets better, though. <laughs> but and yeah, like I was the person who... I would show up to practice. I didn't even know if I was a handler or a cutter. I thought I was a cutter. I thought I was a cutter. But then one day at practice, Carla... So Carla DeFilippo is another person who, like, insane, huge, obviously, in my ultimate experience and career. And we were at practice, and we had a drill that divided the cutters and the handlers. And me, I'm just a fast person. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely a cutter. So I went to the cutter line. And Carla, just from all the way across the field, like, screams at the top of her lungs. She's like, Brittany, you're not a cutter. And I was like, me, little grade 10 me, who was scared of every everything, like, sprinted over the handler line and turfed my first throw. Like, I was like, why am I a handler? But I think because of that, like, the fact that I got put into that handler situation is why, like, I'm so happy I did because now I can throw. So I'm really happy about that. But yeah, and Ingrid, I don't know if you know Ingrid, um, I don't remember her last name, (laughs) I don't know how to say it, but Ingrid played tour with me that year, and she is one of the reasons I did so well that year. She was so patient with me 
I didn't really read any of the plays, so I was just kind of like, what are we doing? Every time on the line, I was like, Ingrid, what's that play? And she was like, just stand on the side of me. And I was like, okay, cool. She was like really good, super patient. I feel so bad for her, but bless her soul, she's amazing. So that year, I just remember we had one tournament where, I don't even remember which tournament it was. It might have been No Borders or something. And I was on D. I just randomly pulled out like a fat bid and everybody was like Brittany where did that come from especially because I never went to practice I never did anything and I just was like shocked I was like I have no idea and I was like I just did it and they were like oh my god everybody's freaking out and so I feel like that was kind of like the point at which I like started to gain confidence in myself and was like oh my gosh I did something good so it kind of like built a little bit of self-confidence and ever since then I like tried a lot harder (laughs) like started putting time into like knowing the plays I wanted to be like by the end of the season my goal was to be on like the power line and so I tried really hard and that was my first year of club and then after that the year later to be honest I didn't really train at the time I kind of just got good quick I don't really know how maybe it was just that I was getting a lot of reps in because I played indoor I played a bunch of like my Gareth Colley got me to join a bunch of league in Toronto. That year also, I think was, so that was 2016. And that was when they had U20s. And I ended up trying out for that team. And I got cut. And so that was like, that hurt my heart a lot. But that was also like, Carla was the one who cut me. And that well, was... Oh, that must have hurt then. <laughs> yeah, it hurt a little bit. But honestly, I'm glad it happened though, to be honest. Because... That pushed me to, I was so angry at the time that I got cut. I was so upset, but that caused me to want to like shove it to Carla and like prove to her that I should have been on that team. And so that was the first year that I started to like really, really, I started training. I started throwing, like I would go, I forced all my cousins when they were over at my house. I would take one of them and be like, okay, come outside. We're doing a century. I'd throw a sentry with them. They'd go inside. I'd grab the next person. I'm like, come outside. We're doing another sentry. I remember there was one day where I did like 800 throws in one day. Like I was just like throwing consistently. I didn't really work out at the gym because I've never really had gym membership, stuff like that. But I did like running. I played other sports to kind of like keep in shape. And so that year I ended up, that was the year I got all stars. They never posted it, but I got it. (laughs) And so that year Carla ended up at the end of the season like talking with me and was like obviously there was no like they won so she didn't have any regrets but she said like you've done really well like yeah you should have been on that team (laughs) so that was like a moment of like it paid off so ever since then I've been super motivated for frisbee so I'm really glad I got cut from that team (laughs) it sucked and but in hindsight it made me work harder the year after, we came second. In my first year of university, I ended up playing Tula, and I got to play with my sister. That was the first time I ever got to play with Crystal on a frisbee team, and that was a lot of fun. We ended up coming second. We lost to Laval in the finals. It was a tough loss, <laughs> but it was fun. The university series is fun. It's good because you get a lot of touches, so it's really good for like practicing certain things. So my first year on Sixers... 
Man, Sixers is so fun. I love Sixers so much. It's so awesome. Oh, my first year of university, I also played with Team Canada in Waterloo, which is also a lot of fun. It's just a whole fun journey of Frisbee. It's a cool journey there, Britt. And I just want to ask, you said that there was kind of like a moment where you decided that you want to take it seriously and get better. So what's the advice you would give to someone else who is maybe struggling with that as well, struggling with motivation, especially during COVID? What would you say to someone else who might be struggling with that? Well, the way I think of it personally that helps me and potentially could help other people is everybody's going through this right now and so many people feel the same way and so many people are either motivated or unmotivated and if you could be one of those motivated people frisbee might not happen for a while but when it does you already have a leg up on a lot of people who are in that situation where they don't feel motivated and they'll have to play a little bit of catch up so if you start now I'm not a huge fan of working out, I understand, but if you do start now, it's really going to pay off in the long run, and you'll have that additional kind of like extra on all the other people. There you go, some extra motivation there from Britta Santos. So with the Sixers there, you've had a lot of success. Your first year with the team, you guys went to Worlds. You weren't part of the team that helped qualify for that championship, but how was it playing at Worlds there? kind of your first experience in the women's club scene you had played juniors previously yeah it was very different in juniors there was a lot of times where I was able to kind of relax and like not go to my fullest ability Whereas at World, especially, well, first of all, I just love the environment of Worlds. Like all the countries, different countries being there was awesome. And in my opinion, I even think it was a little bit harder than like a regular Worlds, just because this was club world. So these teams actually practice together consistently, which sometimes chemistry can be better than just having a bunch of good players. And so, a bunch of all stars, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so it was. There was never a moment where I could relax. Like, I always had to try super duper hard. And I think us as a team, I really, like, enjoy just everybody on my team was amazing. And we all worked really hard. It was just different in the sense that it was so competitive. But that's what I love in Frisbee. Like, a lot of people think playing Frisbee is fun, which it is. But to me, also competition is super fun and that's what I like most about frisbee and that's what I strive off of so it was really different from anything I had ever played before but it just made me fall in love even more because of that higher level that same year you're winning ulti world's breakout player of the year so how was that for you when you got the call or email whatever that was to let you know that you had received that award Well, actually, I didn't even know until my team ended up just congratulating me. So we actually found out, I think it might have been Jeanette, ended up reposting the Alti World post. And she just captioned it saying, like, I have great teammates, hard eyes, face. And I was like, what is this? Because she didn't even mention who the teammates were. And that year, Lauren got 
I think she got Offensive Player of the Year or runner-up, something like that. And I got Breakout Player of the Year. And so I had no idea. So I just clicked on the link and I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know this was a thing because it was my first year playing. And I clicked and I scrolled and it starts off with like offensive or like just in general player of the year. Saw that, kept scrolling. It went to offensive, saw Lauren. I was like, yes, Lauren, let's go. And then kept scrolling and went to defensive, kept scrolling. And then it was like breakout player of the year. And it was my picture. And I was like, are you kidding me? And I just lost it. I freaked out. I ran around the house. I went to go find my sister, like screaming, telling her told my friends like I don't even it was just I was so shocked I honestly I didn't expect it at all especially considering it was my first year playing I had I didn't know it was a thing too so that was another reason I was so shocked I didn't know that was an like an award and then I also found out too that the year before Anushka won it and I was like oh us Canadians we're doing good out here I was really excited about that and shocked too and when you were playing on six, especially your first year, how were your nerves? Because you talked a little bit about in grade 10, a uh, younger Brit at the time, being very nervous playing on Toro. How was that experience then, playing with these quote-unquote adults here, with a lot of women who are, who got some experience on you? How did you feel? How did you fit into the system? What was that like? At that point, I don't think I was nervous anymore. I didn't really have nerves. I was already practicing with sixers, actually before when I was still in juniors like when we finished so we finished CUCs and then literally right after my game my finals Carla went up to me and was like I want you to start practicing with us cool okay sounds good be there <laughs> and so I ended up practicing because they still had the uh, USA series which is in like October so from that August till like early October, I had been practicing with them. And the junior systems we have are the same as the Sixers system. So I didn't really have too, too much to learn, just kind of how everybody plays. So at that point, I don't think I was nervous. I think I had already become accustomed to how a lot of them play. So I was more so just very excited than nervous. I don't think I, I kind of got out all the nerves the first practice with them. That's awesome to hear. And 2019 was a big year for you and, and your team. So first of all, you won a national title, defeating Quebec Iris in the final. You won MVP along the way. Then you came in second at the USA Ultimate National Championship. So summarize that whole year and what it meant to you. Yeah, like you said, probably my most successful year playing Frisbee. Well, the Canadian Ultimate Championship was like such a sweet sweet victory for me because I've never won a Canadian Ultimate Championship before. All the like three years I played junior, we had one of the best teams and we came second and third. So I just have always wanted a gold medal. <laughs> like my team knew, my team had already known that I had never won a gold. <laughs> I made it very, very clear at practices that I wanted a gold. So that was kind of like a huge team thing because that was my first gold medal ever in my ultimate career. And a lot of people are like, were shocked about that because they've just been like, Brittany, for the kind of player you are and you don't have a gold. And I was like, I know. So I was just so excited for that. And then also winning MVP on top of that was just like the cherry on top. And then with USA USAUs, that was 
just unbelievable. We played so well. I think we'll talk about this later, but my favorite game was the Riot game. We just had just everything kind of fell into place up until the final. Unfortunately, like we had Lauren was out. Also, we were missing Jess Chen and Laura because of they weren't able to come. So that was also a little bit of a bummer not having them there. But we ended up getting medals for them. <laughs> but it was just, I don't even know how to explain it. It was so amazing. Just the experience of being there and being in that final. I think, well, I actually, that might have been one of the first times I was a little nervous being in like the USAU final because that was, that tournament in general is, in my opinion, one of the most competitive tournaments. And so it was really, we were tired by the end and I ended up getting heat exhaustion the day before and had to stay or two days before the finals and I ended up having to stay home I ended up staying at Carl's Airbnb to just rest one of the whole days because I it was after like our brute game I ended up getting heat exhaustion I had to lie down I couldn't like everything went white I couldn't see I was sweating like oh no yeah it was bad It was not great. I tend to get sick very easily. This is like not a uncommon thing. So I ended up having to stay home and then yeah, having had to play semis and finals still like half sick and I was I was not I was not 100% those games. <laughs> but aside from that, it was still fun, super competitive and awesome and just the Sixers where everybody is so good individually and so as a team we're just like awesome <laughs> last part of this uh, segment here you gave some shout outs earlier to gareth ingrid and carla is there anyone else you want to give a shout out to for helping you along your journey yes absolutely so wolf i can't not give a shout out to my sister i love her dearly <laughs> she has always been there for me and encouraged me she's the person who i tend to get sometimes in like little ruts where i'm super not in a good mood and frustrated and she's one of the only people who can get me out of those so she's always there and always pushing me to do better Allison Fisher I love Alice she was my U24s coach this is the first time I ever met her I love her she is an angel in disguise she taught me well she made me have a lot more respect for the spirit of the game not that I didn't but I it's not something I necessarily focused on before her and she really made me understand why it's so important. And she's just like, not only just the coach, but like a mother figure. I love her. She's awesome and amazing and just a great person and makes me a better person. Emma Seaborn also has been somebody who's helped me a lot throughout the years. She was my coach on Toro, all of them pretty much. And uh, she also coached me on U20s. She's another person who's just always been there and really pushed me to do the best if i'm forgetting people i'm so sorry <laughs> it's okay if uh if you were to shout out every single person that helped you we'd uh have a three hour long <laughs> podcast here so it's all good there Britt. and uh yeah definitely shout out to allison fisher if you want to check out her episode that's available as well so i interviewed her about her coaching career which uh Britt is a part of right being on the u24 team so that's kind of a cool connection there but Britt, we're gonna jump into day-to-day life Obviously, with the pandemic, ultimate season didn't happen this year in 2020. What is your day like right now? And then what would it have looked like if uh, COVID didn't happen? 
right now I'm considering there's a pandemic I'm actually really busy because <laughs> I'm doing school full-time online and then I also have three jobs <laughs> so a lot of my time goes towards the school or work but the free time I still have a lot of free time considering I have all those things and so usually Tuesdays and Thursdays I'll do a workout I'll try to fit in a haddock workout oh haddock has also been a person who's been very helpful <laughs> extremely helpful so I'll do haddock workouts on Tuesdays and Thursdays on weekends I usually go to my cottage so we'll play a lot of spike ball we'll go for- my sister and I will sometimes go for a run <laughs> depending on the day but I've been trying still only recently was when I I kind of at the start of COVID, I was super motivated and worked out. And then there was a little bit of a lull and I'm kind of getting back into it now. I think what really caused me to get back into it was I got nominated for the 25-day push-up challenge by Inej, the Portuguese player. And so after that, I don't know why, but I just had like a surge of motivation. I would like message Mike asking for a workout. He's very good at giving you specifics with what you have because I don't have a gym. So most of my stuff is body weight. So... I'll do that. And usually when I have free time, I'm either doing homework or sleeping, <laughs> to be honest. Do you need the sleep to to be better at Ultimate? And ultimately, you need money to pay for your Ultimate career right now, as it is now with Ultimate. So uh, it does make sense. And then in terms of, let's say, a non-COVID time, your year is pretty full of ultimate, isn't it? You're playing universities, you're playing club. Are you playing league as well? How does your uh, ultimate calendar look in a non-COVID situation? Oh, yeah. So normally, on a normal year, I have similar thing where I have like three jobs, I think. So I work with Sportcheck, I work at the City of Toronto, and then normally I'll work. Uh, I work at a private school coaching Frisbee which is usually in the mornings. That's kind of during the end of my school year. So I don't have class. I'm usually during exams at the time. So it's perfect because I can work that in the morning. I coached during the summer. I coached upper girls last year. And I was going to, co- I think I was going to coach Havoc this year though, because last year I could only go to one practice and it's kind of unfair to the girls. So Havoc only practices once a week. So it's a lot easier because I would, I think I, so I would be coaching on Mondays. I would coach upper. I'd go to Sixers practice on Tuesday and Thursday nights. I had league on Thursday nights as well, but that was not during the Sixers season. That was indoor. I played both league indoor leagues. And then sometimes on Wednesdays, I would sub for the league. I think competitive league at like Fergie Brown. Fridays were like my one day off. Weekends, I normally had tournaments. It's just a whole lot of frisbee, (laughs) normally. And then school on top of that. And Fridays would be, like, my most days to work. Oh, man. I don't even know how I kept up with all that. Yeah, that's a a busy schedule there, Britt. This is why I need an agenda. If I don't have an agenda, my life just, I lose it all. So what would you say to people, because... Because I've heard this uh, with from other juniors players as well who've played Team Canada, who've played club. How do you deal with the potential burnout that could happen with that busy schedule? You're trying to pay for your ultimate career, obviously, with work and trying to save up as well. You're going to school and you're also practicing and playing league and potentially playing Team Canada in some years as well. How do you balance that all in terms of uh, avoiding burnout and still staying motivated with ultimate? 
This is a very good question, Theo, because I found that this past year, I think I almost burned out. Yeah, it was a little bit of a tough year for me, motivation-wise, to be honest. I myself am still trying to figure that out a little bit. So I don't know that I have a full answer for that question because I guess I'm still also trying to figure that out. But for me, I think it's just what I did was I tried to, once I felt like it was just a little too much for me, I tried playing other sports. So I started playing badminton a lot. I love badminton. I played tennis. I played spike ball. Like I went to a spike ball tournament, which I normally would never do, but it was so fun. And I just did a bunch of different stuff and took a tiny little break from Frisbee. And that kind of made me miss it. And so I think just, it's, I think it's important to focus not on just one thing. Because I think if you put all your effort into one specific sport, like, yeah, you might get better. But that burnout, I think, is easier when it's just like the same thing all the time. So I think having those other sports that you can play every once in a while is like a good distraction or just like a good other fun thing that you could do. And it kind of like made me miss Frisbee. So that kind of got me back into it a little bit. But still, I'm still trying to figure that out myself a little bit, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate the vulnerability and honesty there, Britt, because I know that's something that a lot of players will face, especially at the elite club level playing club and and a national team at the same time that is a lot so appreciate you sharing that and along with your day is there anything else you do to help with your ultimate career are you watching film a lot what other preparations are you doing during the season well i watch ultimate games like people eat breakfast like it's just well I, for me i eat breakfast every day so that's like a consistent thing. I watch so much film, it's ridiculous. If you pull up a game on YouTube, chances are I've probably already watched it. Like, it's just all I did for a long time was anytime I had free time. Now I I watch Netflix a little bit more, but (laughs) before it was like any free time I had, I was watching a Frisbee game, studying. But And because of that, I know so many players in like we would Sixers would get to a game I'd be like okay that's clear Chastain main handler that person's this blah 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 they like to do this I know where they like to throw so if I mark them I'd put my hand in that position like I was so it's kind of like Nico but she knows more about like rules and stuff but it was a lot of just so much film watching and because of that I think it kind of helped me a little bit when I was playing Because I knew what people were going to do just because I've seen them play so many times. And with all that film watching, let's say other players out there, I know you gave some advice earlier, but let's talk specifically about film here. Someone that wants to get better at Ultimate, wanting to reach that next level, what would you suggest they should look out for when they're watching film? Because often we will watch games or, or the casual fan or player might watch games just for the entertainment value of the universe point game. What is the thing that they should be looking for when they're watching to try to get themselves better? Well, I think it's heavily dependent on what you play, like what position you play. So, because if you're a handler, you're not really going to be watching a cutter because that's not going to be super useful to you. So, if you're a handler, watch handlers. And watch specific handlers that you think you would be 
So, for example, me, I'm not usually the person who has a disc during a pull play because I get open. Well, first of all, I don't really think I have very good hacks, so that might be it. But also, I'm a person who gets open very easily on a reset. So typically, I'll be the reset because if the handler ever gets stuck, it won't be hard for me to get open for them. So if you think you're going to be that player, maybe watch me play. If you think you're a person who has very good throws and is going to be the person with the disc during a pull play, watch somebody like Lauren. If you're a cutter and you're a deep cutter, watch the type of person who's a striker. If you're not, if you're more of like a flex, watch somebody who is in that position. Just watch those specific positions that you think you'll be put in. I think spending your time watching other people... I don't think it's not useful, but for what specific situation you're in, try to look at that specifically. And you were mentioning earlier that you were able to kind of do some advanced scouting, right? Because of all the film that you watched. Is that something you just wrote down or is that something kind of ingrained in your head just because you were just soaking yourself in with so much film? I don't have write down any of that stuff. It's sort of just, I have very good photographic memory. so. It's just like something that stays in my head. Like I can think back to games and like picture a specific play in my mind. But I do know people who watch games and specifically write down certain things. I just, for me, it's easier for me to just remember things. And uh, last part here of the day-to-day, something that was really big for your day was that gold medal matchup there. I know it didn't go your way, but can you explain to the audience how you felt knowing that the game was going to be broadcasted there on ESPN. A lot of people were going to watch it. A lot of folks back home were going to be able to see it either at that point or later on on YouTube. So how was that just finals day in general for you? Well, I think the fact that Lauren was out was a little bit of a huge kind of hit to the team, especially since she is the core of our O-line. So her gone... Anushka and I really had to step up and also they had to bring like Hannah from the D-line had to play O a bunch of times so it kind of I think the handlers or for me I know I was a little bit tired because we had to play every point and sometimes I had to get switched over to D or like like I said Hannah had to come play O so missing Lauren was I don't know how the whole team felt about it, but I know for me personally, I was like, damn, that kind of sucks. <laughs> but it ended up making a new Shani step up a bit. So I think, I don't know how everybody else felt, but for me personally, I was a little tired from like the previous days and sort of oh, nervous, <laughs> I guess, considering. And we've played them so many times, which is kind of funny considering Classic how many matchup. times we Yeah. So we really shouldn't have been super nervous. Like, we've played them so many times, but I was, and that was one of the first times I was ever truly, truly nervous for a game. But once you got into it, once you started playing, those nerves kind of went away, but I do think missing Lauren was, like, a big deal. And kind of even the way our offense flowed a little bit was a little different, I think, missing Lauren. But we tried our best. (laughs) Well... We we did have a few moments where like we had chances for a lot of breaks that we normally would get and unfortunately didn't get those. I think it was a lot of Brute did play very well as well, but I think it was a lot of us also kind of beating ourselves. 
And that does happen. I know I said that was the last question, but I lied there, Britt. I have one more for you. <laughs> you talked about you and Anushka Beaudry, another big name player on the Sixers there as a handler, having to get increased reps there. So what would you say is your goal in terms of your ultimate career? We've talked a lot. We've highlighted a lot of your past. But now let's look into the future here. What, what would be some of the goals you have for yourself getting an expanded role, as you said, on Sixers in the final, especially with Lauren going down? What are your goals that you have uh, for your future? Well, I'm actually already starting to work on them now, I think. I've been, like yesterday, my sister and I went to the park to go throw. I think something I've struggled with throughout my ultimate career is just like hucks, which I'm kind of telling everybody my weakness here, but... <laughs> You're getting scouted. You're getting scouted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not confident in my hucks. They're very inconsistent. So sometimes I'll have a really good one. Other times I'll have one where I wish I was off the field. <laughs> and so that's something that I'm really trying to make consistent. And I think that as a handler is the thing I could work on the most right now. So that I could be put in those situations where I am the person who, if like once Lauren's gone, hopefully not anytime soon, but <laughs> once she's gone... I can be that person to be put in that position where I have to make a really big huck or anything like that. So that is right now what I'm focusing on for the future. Good to hear. And uh, hopefully those listening aren't going to scout you too much uh, when we get back on the field here. But we're going to jump back into the Britta Santos archive here. We're going to talk about some memorable games you played in. So we'll start with the good stuff. What's the, the game that you have enjoyed playing the most and why? So I think I'm going to have to go with our Riot game last year in the quarterfinals at USA Youth. That was, that was just an awesome game. It was competitive. I didn't feel personally like there was any bad spirit or bad calls. I think it was, I don't even remember any calls in that game at all, which doesn't mean it's a bad game if there's calls, but there was no arguing or any tension between the two teams I don't think and honestly that game was most like all our d-line too and I was on o-line at the time and I just remember that was one of the games I was most into like I'm a person who's not this is also something I need to work on I'm not super loud on the sideline it's like the way I get into games is by playing so that's something I have to work on is being a better teammate but that game, I was so into it. I didn't even care if I was on. I was on the sidelines screaming my lungs out. It was just so fun and competitive. And I think that like, our team was so whole in that moment. And also when we won that game, we didn't know that we had won the game because we thought there was still free, like another point. And then somebody ended up telling us we won and we like lost it. You can hear it in the live stream. You can hear Jordo, like <laughs> She was like, holy like just freaking out yeah, yeah. expletive <laughs> yeah yeah and um I don't know that was just a game where I found for myself personally I wasn't worried about anything like playtime or how many times I was on or this or that I was just so focused in how well my team was doing that I think for me that's was something that I want to be able to feel every game I play so that was one of my favorite games it sounds like you were what, what athletes call down in the zone there, kind of zeroed in. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing else really mattered at that point. So that's uh, great to hear there. And 
some inspiration for others as they uh, pursue their ultimate career. But now, Britt, we're going to get to the bad knock, the <sighs> least favorite game you've ever played in. Let's talk about that right now. I think it was a game at U20s. We ended up playing Japan in Waterloo. And I just remember, I think it was just my least favorite game because of how I reacted. So we were playing against them and there was just a lot of calls. Or sorry, no, it was not Japan. It was France. Yeah, it was not Japan. It was France. We were playing France and there was a lot of calls some that I deemed were not very good calls, a lot of which were on me and other people, but there was one specific... Like travels? Or... Yeah, yeah, there was, yep. So there was a travel called on me, and I went back, tapped, kept playing, but then there was another travel called on me, which was very much not a travel because I was going in the same direction, because I was, you know, and it's only a travel if you change direction in any at all and so I ended up going to the advisor game advisor and they explained the rule of a travel basically saying it was not a travel and they didn't listen and I'm also a person who I don't care if they're a game advisor or a game observer I listen to them like if I go to the advisor or the observer and they say well the observer has a final say but the advisor doesn't I will go with whatever they say just because I respect game advisors, and so the fact that they didn't, I was just very riled up by that, and so I kind of lost my cool a little bit, and we ended up having, like, a very long discussion where, like, whistles were being blown to hurry it up, and it was just, like, I was very angry and frustrated, and after that game, I was, like, wanted to forget that game from my mind completely. I was, like, I never want to think of that game ever again. And I think I was just mostly upset just because of how I got so upset and riled up and let myself get to that point. So, yeah, that was not that was not a fun game. <laughs> Lessons learned for your uh, ultimate career in the future. And Britt, last uh, segment here, rapid fire. We're going to start with some ultimate-based questions, and then we'll move on to some non-ultimate ones. So first one is, what do you like more, your flick or backhand? Flick. Hammer or scuba? Hammer. No way, scuba. Would you rather drop a pull or drop a catch in the end zone? End zone. Well, if you drop a pull, it's all the way near your end zone. The chance of getting a D is so rare. If you drop it in the end zone, they still have to work it up the whole field. That's a fair point. We talked a little bit about gold medals earlier, so we'll see how you answer this question. Would you rather have five silver medals at nationals or one gold medal? Oh, this is a hard one. Let's go with the five silvers. Whatever. That means I was in a final five times. Should Ultimate be renamed? To what? I don't know. You you can choose the name, but some people think that Ultimate should be renamed, so. Well, those people, if they come up with a name, let me know and then I'll answer that. You talked a little bit about Game Advisor. So should Ultimate have referees even at the club level? Hmm... Personally, I like the idea of game advisors, but I don't know enough about referees to make a decision on that one, I think. And last one here, I think I know your answer for this one as well, but should Ultimate be in the Olympics? Hell yes! (laughs) No question! (laughs) And uh, we hope that it will happen in your lifetime there, in your sort of prime athletic career, so you can get there, right? Representing Team Canada, that'd be sweet, so. Hopefully! (laughs) So, Britt, we're going to move to some non-sports questions here. 
I'm going to give you a chance to share a meal with three people in the course of human history. They can be living or brought back from the dead. So you got to pick three and uh, let me know who they are. Well, this is kind of cheesy, but my grandparents, two of them, those are two. I don't know. Let's go Terry Fox. <laughs> so grandparents and Terry Fox, they're a good meal right there for Brenda Santos. <laughs> Next question here. I'm going to give you a chance to put on a concert in your backyard. You may have a backyard there in Toronto, but uh, pretend if you don't have one, you have a huge backyard that you're going to put on a concert, okay? Yeah. You're allowed to book any band or artist in the world, a band or artist that's living or they've broken up or not living anymore. you got to pick three and the order in which they play. Justin Timberlake, 100%. <laughs> he would go last because he was amazing. Elenium. They would go, actually, eh, let them go first. They can go first. <laughs> and I'm thinking either, you know what? Let's just throw Lady Gaga in there because she's a little wild. She could probably liven up the party. So she could go in the middle. <laughs> All right, but JT's uh, ending ending the show there. Oh, yeah. He was my first concert. I've, well, I've only ever been to one concert, but he was my first concert ever. And he is, oh, oh actually... Like Beyonce could also, or Shakira could. Okay, well, I already made my decision. It's okay. You want to have a second concert, but. Trying to think of people who can, like, make a fun concert. Yeah, that's fair. So, last question here of all the rapid fire questions. You can't choose ultimate as an answer, okay? I'm going to give you all the talent in the world. You can pick any sport, any team, organization you want to play for, position, all that good stuff. So maybe you want to do individual sport, like, you know, the Masters, golf, or you want to play for, like, a professional soccer team, whatever that is. So what would you choose? Badminton. So, like, representing Canada in the Olympics, badminton? Yeah. Singles or doubles? Probably doubles. With? Somebody who's good. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to choose your sister. I thought you were going to choose Crystal, you guys, the DeSanto sisters. Crystal, I love you. Sure. But no, no, no. I'd probably choose my high school badminton partner. She was really good. I liked her a lot. Britt not choosing her sister for uh, the Olympic tour of badminton. So that's uh, good stuff. So Britt, thank you for your time today, taking time out of obviously your busy schedule, work and all that good stuff, school. So if our audience wants to find out more about you, where can they find you online? You can find me shout out to my Instagram, Brittany underscore HDS. That's B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y. <laughs> or you can find me on Facebook. <laughs> Follow hashtag subscribe. Yeah, hashtag subscribe to all of Brittany's uh, social media outlets there. And I'll also, Britt, attach the article from Ulti World that highlighted you as Breakout Player of the Year and Ultimate Canada's Junior Female Athlete of the Year. If you want to read about that, read more about her story and her accomplishments, you can do that as well. So, Britt, thanks for your time. Do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Keep an eye out for the next episode where I interview Gabe Hernandez the 2018 Callahan Award winner and player for the Dallas Roughnecks of the American Ultimate Disc League and Austin Double Wide. In this interview, Gabe talks about how he went from never playing Ultimate until his freshman year in college to captaining his sophomore year and eventually winning a Callahan Award as a senior with Stanford University. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Juan underscore and underscore only underscore sports. You can see some of my commenting highlights on my YouTube at one and only sports. And you can reach me by email 
at theo.wan6 at gmail.com. Catch you listeners on the flip side. Peace.